Thank you, Pastor Gaddis. Uh, it is go so good to be back here at Southwest. Um, your church is very important to us. Uh, you have been so involved in our ministry uh, through prayer and, and through giving. We mentioned uh, the souls that were saved at camp, of the people that had come to the youth center uh, that had never been to our church, the, the 17 in the last five years before COVID. Uh, you know, I don't know how many of you know, but every year we make an announcement in our prayer letters and ask churches to participate and help us to sponsor some of those uh, kids that come. Southwest, every year, has sent at least $500, I think, uh, to help. And uh, so those 17 young people that were saved in those camps, you had a part in. Uh, through your giving, you have a, a part in, in missionaries' ministries. And Paul said that those are, that's fruit that abounds to your account. And so we want to thank you for your participation uh, in, in our uh, ministry. Uh, we also, you saw also that uh, uh, we had uh, one of the goals that we have for our uh, furlough is to raise $80,000 to help pay off the debt on our two buildings uh, so that we could be able to take on a national pastor. And uh, Southwest has already sent in a thousand. We're ch we challenge each of our churches to try and do at least a thousand. Some can do more uh, and some can't. But uh, we just want to thank you for that part. Um, and just to give you an idea, uh, those two small storefronts that we have cost us about $275,000, $280,000, depending on an exchange rate. Uh, when we first started, we asked churches to try and help give us uh, money to be able to do that. Uh, and about $30,000 was given uh, for our church building. And then uh, for the youth center, uh, years later, we tried to raise the money for that and another $30,000 was given. And so, but the rest of that has been from our people. They, they make a, a payment of about $860 a month. And so, but to accelerate the process of us being able to, to pay a pastor, we can't afford to pay a pastor and uh, uh, make a bil large building payment. And so we'd ask you to pray that God would just stir the hearts of individuals and, and churches to, to uh, be able to uh, reach that goal and be able to pay that off so that we can take on a, our, our national pastor. Um, Speaking of that, there is a, a jar on the back table on our display uh, uh, about Portugal. Uh, if you'd like to give a, a little bit toward that, you're, you're more than welcome to do so. Um, also on our table, the pastor mentioned that there's prayer cards. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And uh, the pastor mentioned that Carol got sick when she came home in November. Her mom had a heart attack uh, here in the States and she came home to help her mom out and her mom went into the hospital uh, and had to have a COVID test and she tested negative. Uh, uh, three or four days after she got out of the hospital, uh, she had to have another procedure in another hospital and so they gave her another COVID test and she tested positive. And uh, her mom got a very mild case and, and uh, her heart attack turned out not to be near as bad as they thought it was, good, well, thought it was in the beginning. And, uh, but uh, she did do one thing. She gave the, that, the COVID or Carol caught the COVID from her mother. And uh, it, some of you may remember, she was very bad. She got very, very ill. She was in the hospital, intensive care. And, uh, uh, and we put out a call to the churches to pray for us and pray for Carol. 
And uh, the nurses, I was telling the pastor, I think it was the pastor, I told a couple of people today, uh, that uh, uh, there was a couple of nurses that were, when Carol went to the ICU, they went off shift for a couple of days and they came back and they told Carol uh, they didn't expect to see, have seen her when they returned to work. Uh, she was that near death. And so, but the churches prayed. And as fast as she went down and as far as she went down, she came back just as fast. And uh, it was through the prayer. Uh, there was a, we even got a video from uh, uh, Burkina Faso, the church is there. For 10 minutes, the whole congregation prayed nothing but for Carol's health. Uh, God answers prayer. So we want to encourage you to pick up a prayer card and pray for us and pray for the ministry in Portugal. Now, our video didn't tell you lots about Portugal, some things, but there are a few things on our, uh, uh, on our table too that give you a little bit more to look at about Portugal. And we're always open to, to talk about our country. We love Portugal uh, and uh, the ministry there. So please ask uh, uh, about us about that. Uh, there's things on our table like uh, uh, three or four different products that are made out of cork. Uh, three-fourths of the world cork, half to three-fourths of the world's cork comes from Portugal. And uh, so, no, I didn't say pork. I said cork, okay? And uh, uh, it's a bark off of a tree. But uh, the latest thing they had was a mask for the COVID. That, and I wore that mask for several months. Uh, so uh, you can come by and see that. We have some grapes and we have uh, some things about the ocean because Portugal is so involved in the explorers and stuff like that. So come by and talk with us, okay? Uh, but we just wanna, once again, uh, express our appreciation for everything that you have done uh, and how you have been involved in our ministry. And I know you have many missionaries that you support. And I just praise the Lord for, for your faithfulness and uh, wanted to thank you for that. Uh, it's hard to believe that it's been uh, 33 years that we've been on the field, uh, 34 and a half years that we've been uh, approved as missionaries and sent out from our uh, church in Junction City, Kansas. Uh, but uh, Many of you, or there are some of you that have been around almost all that time. And uh, the church here has supported us, Carol and I were talking, I think at least 25 years, uh, if not more. Uh, and uh, so some of you remember us when we were, uh, you know, in, the tw in our 20s. Uh, and you saw the video now, we're not, we're getting, changed our hair color a little bit different and things like that. Uh, uh, we're a little bit older. I wouldn't say we're old, okay? Uh, we're not old, but we're older. But one of the things that really I don't like about getting old is uh, my vision isn't like it used to be. And I have to use these things. So tonight you're going to see me use these uh, glasses to be able to, to see my Bible and, and read some verses. I, I detest them. I have, it's been about two years that I've had to use these. I don't know if any of you have passed through that, that stage where you begin to can't read things, you can't see things. And, and it's really a, a pain because uh, uh, like I go to cut a board. So I get my uh, tape measure out and go to put a mark on the board. I can't see the, the, that little line that I need to see. So I say, oh, where's my glasses? It takes me five minutes to find my glasses and then I can take and mark that board and cut it. Uh, and so it's really uh, irritating. I have to say it's probably hurts my production of getting things done and things like that. Uh, the loss of vision is terrible. It's terrible. Uh, and to tell you how bad I am, the, we, we started, this is the first time ever that we have traveled in a motorhome. 
a 37-foot motorhome. And uh, uh, the first time I drove it, I drove it up to Carol's mom's house and, and parked it beside her house and, and uh, got, went out and got Carol and said, come on, let's go for a ride. So we got in that motorhome, went around the block, and I came out uh, and we opened the door and went down the steps. And there were my glasses on the floor, smashed to pieces. I'd run over them. So, but you think that's bad. But later that day, I got out of my van and my uh, glasses fell out of my pocket without me knowing it. And I stepped right on top of them. So uh, it's just terrible having these things. You know, it's terrible. When you lose your vision, it's terrible. But, you know, as we think about the physical loss of our vision and getting, getting worse, that's, that's one thing. But when we come to our spiritual vision, uh, the Bible tells us it's much worse. And uh, that's the verse I'd like to talk to you about tonight. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, if you would. Just one verse uh, to start with this, uh, this evening. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you and we just want to turn this service over to you, Lord, and uh, that uh, your Holy Spirit would just direct in everything that is said and done tonight. And Lord, that uh, you would touch our hearts and speak to us tonight through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, that's a terrible thought. Uh, and, and we know it's true that people are perishing all around us. Um, and the Bible, when, it, when the Bible talks about the word vision in the Old Testament, uh, vision was give, the visions were given, or were basically a message from God that he gave to one of his men, uh, one of the prophets. Uh, and and then that man took the message and preached to the, to the people that had been uh, living in sin or, or rebellion against God and, uh, and then calling those people to repent from their sin and come back to the Lord. And so the Bible says where there is no vision and whether it was, the Bible says that we get a vision in, uh, uh, in diverse manners, you know, in the New Testament. Uh, but the Bible tells us, you know, that, that there was those that got uh, their vision in a dream like Daniel or, or there was one, ones that were uh, spoken to from a fiery uh, burning bush. Uh, and then those men would take and carry the message right. to the people so that they could be saved. Right. But where there is no vision, where there is no message that's being carried right. to the people, right. the people perish an eternal perish eternally and uh, in a lake of fire, separated from the love of God, separated from the grace of God forever. And uh, as I think about it, I think, oh, how terrible that is. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, We've been in Portugal 33 years now. That's about half the the time of a normal person's life. and uh, there's 10 and a half million people in Portugal. And so I think probably half of the population of Portugal has already died since I've been there. Five and a half million people. And uh, the video quoted that less than 1% are born again Christians. That's, a, that's, that's wrong. I quoted that wrong in the video. 
The quote was, uh, that I was supposed to have read, is there's less than 1% of the uh, Portuguese people claim to be evangelicals. Wow. So that means not every evangelical church and many evangelical churches do not preach the gospel. Right. Wow. If you do the math, where there is no vision, the people perish. And, the, and that first definition uh, of the Old Testament, where there's no man carrying the message of God to the Portuguese people, then they perish and they die. They spend an eternity separated from God in a lake of fire. And that's certainly true in Portugal. Because there's not enough young people that have surrendered their lives to go. I don't think that God is not the one that's calling. God loves us. He loves the world. He loves the Portuguese people and he wants to see them come to repentance. I would ask you, and we have two goals we mentioned one was the, the raising the funds so that we could have a national pastor uh, pay for the debt uh, of our building so we could have a national pastor. The second one, while we're home on furlough, I'd ask you to pray that God would use us to, to stir as an instrument, to stir the hearts of some young person yes. or some young people to give their lives to go to the mission field of Portugal. Uh, as uh, Carol and I, a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to figure out how many uh, independent Baptist missionaries are in Portugal. And basically, I come up with 12 families for 10 and a half million people. I, I come and look around Oklahoma City and I see all the churches. And, and we, when we talk about the, the need in Portugal, uh, there are thousands of towns, thousands of cities, hundreds of cities that uh, there's not anything in those cities except the Catholic Church. The need is great. So would you pray with me that God would bring forth laborers into the harvest and and so that the Portuguese people would not perish. We need laborers. But uh, as I look at this verse also, and many times I've looked at it and and, uh, the the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I take and and put it into my own interpretation, not just the vision of the Old Testament, but where there is no vision, uh, being an awareness of the lost around us, where there is no awareness of the lost around us, people are going to die and go to hell. Pass Pass their eternity separated from the love of God. In anguish. We need to be aware. We need to have a vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And, uh, and I begin to think about it, you know, as I got older, my vision kind of has diminished a little bit. And I said, well, can that help happen spiritually? Uh, and, uh, and I said, I know the conclusion. Yes, that can happen spiritually. Uh, we can uh, have a diminished vision. But, but pastor, you have to understand uh, this is the Wednesday night crowd, right? They're, they're the core of the church. They're probably the ones that, have, have, that are here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They're the ones that go out on visitation. Uh, they're the ones that, that uh, uh, are the backbone of the church. They're the ones that read their Bibles and pray uh, to the Lord on a daily basis, have fellowship with God daily. Uh, surely those people wouldn't have a diminished vision, would they? I got to thinking about that and uh, the thought came to me about John chapter 4 and verse 35. John chapter 4 and verse 35. Jesus came and he, he 
uh, instructed the disciples or he admonished the disciples uh, and he said unto them, say not ye, there are yet four months and then come the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. He said, lift up your eyes. Now, why did he tell the disciples that? Aren't they the ones that walked with him? Aren't they the ones that, that uh, 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 wanted to, to have fellowship with him and saw all miracles that he did and, and his compassion for the law? Why didn't Jesus tell them to lift up their eyes and look on the heart? Because they didn't have their eyes lifted up. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, if we go back and we won't take the, the time this evening, but we'll just talk about the story in John chapter four. Uh, John chapter four, the context of this is in John chapter four, uh, verse three or verse four, Jesus said he must needs go through Samaria. He knew that there was a need in Samaria. And uh, I always thought that need was the, the Samaritan woman at the well. well. I've kind of changed my mind on that because of this verse in verse 35. Because uh, Jesus went and he went to Samaria. Uh, he sat at the well while the disciples went into Samaria. And we find out later that he, they went into Samaria to buy uh, groceries uh, for the Lord. I don't know. Uh, or maybe they went to the restaurant, you know, uh, McDonald's or something. Uh, the takeaway and, and yeah. brought it back to Jesus. Uh, or, or they went to the grocery store and they went in there and, and they were in Samaria. And in the meantime, Jesus talked to this woman. Uh, this woman was a, a person that did not know the Messiah. Right. Uh, she was a, of a different religion, worshipped in a different place, uh, she, she said. Uh, uh, and Jesus said that, that uh, he is seeking those that, that worship in, in uh, spirit and in truth and right. in a rebuke to what she had said about her being religious. He talked to her about her sin, uh, that she was a, a woman that... Uh, had been married four times and the man she was living with her at the time was not even married. Right. She wasn't even married to him. Uh, so he dealt with her sin and he dealt with her excuses. And, uh, and then she, uh, the Bible tells us that she said, well, when Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. Right. And Jesus said, he that speaketh unto thee am, am he. And she met the Messiah. Amen. And uh, we look in, in verse 28 of John chapter four, it says, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She said, I found the Christ. Isn't this the Christ? Come see him. Then verse 30 says, then they went out of the city and came unto him. Who's the they? The men of the city. And then we get to verse 35 and Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields for they are white unto harvest. It was those, that group of men that were coming out. And Jesus was telling that to the disciples. So Jesus had a vision. There was a need. The people needed to be saved. The lost needed to be saved. But the disciples had gone into Samaria and gone to the grocery store or gone to McDonald's. And they didn't invite anybody to the Christ. They didn't tell them about the Savior. Those people that walked with him That's on a daily basis. Why? Because they lacked vision. Because of their lack of vision, they missed the opportunity to win the lost. But isn't that, couldn't that be the same thing that happens to us? Don't we go to the grocery stores? Don't we go to the gas station? Don't we go to the restaurants? 
Are there neighbors that are next to us? We see them all the time. Do we know that they're lost? Many of them. But yeah, what do we do? We neglect to invite them to the Savior. A lack of vision. Because of the lack of vision, there's missed opportunity when the lost. We need to get our spiritual glasses on and have the vision that Jesus had. In Luke chapter 9, uh, Luke chapter 19, uh, another incident happened. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 5. The Bible says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. So we see here the, the story of Zacchaeus. And most of the people here tonight would probably know the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a man of a, of a small stature. He was a short guy. And uh, he was excited about hearing that Jesus was passing by. But because of the crowd was so, uh, so many around him uh, and he was short, he couldn't see the Savior. So he was one that wanted to see the Savior. He wanted, he wanted to know who this Jesus was. And so he climbed up in a sycamore tree. And he was looking down to see Jesus. And Jesus looked up at him and said, come down, Zacchaeus, make haste. Uh, he says, make haste and come down for today. I must abide at thy house. Uh, so Jesus saw a man that needed to be saved. Right. And uh, the Bible says, and he immediately he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. So Zacchaeus came down and he received the Lord joyfully. Uh, and notice what happened when he did that. Verse eight says, and Zacchaeus stood and said unto the, the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore unto him full fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house for as much as he is also the son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus saw Zacchaeus as a man that needed to be saved. That was the vision that Jesus had. But notice what the vision of the crowd was or, or the disciples uh, and the crowd. Verse seven says, when Jesus invited him to come down and, and Zacchaeus received him, verse seven says, and when they saw it, they all murmured saying, this is he, uh, th that he has gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Now they saw Zacchaeus as a man that was a sinner. He was a publican. That means he was the tax collector uh, and he was rich tax collector. Uh, so he uh, cheated people to get that money. He, he was a traitor because he, he worked for the Roman government and, and it was betraying his own people, uh, uh, tr taking their money. Uh, so they saw him as a low down rotten sinner. But Jesus saw him Amen. as a man that was lost. Amen. But how many times do we have a lack of vision that way too? We, uh, uh, we see somebody and maybe they got tattoos all up and down their uh, arms. Or, or, or uh, maybe they, they're a person that's a drug addict. Or somebody that's an alcoholic or someone that's having family problems and, and physical violence has taken place in their family. We say, oh, those, that's just terrible. They're, that's terrible people. I don't want to have anything to do with them. 
That's the natural reaction, isn't it? But that's not the reaction that Jesus had. He was, that man was a sinner and we're all sinners and we're all condemned because of our sin. And we all, without Christ, we'll die and we'll go to hell. But Jesus saw that man and, and invited him to come and he came and he, and he received Jesus Christ joyfully. You know what happened? Notice what happened. Instead of being one that was a, a thief that stole from people and, and cheated people, he gave away half of his riches to the poor. Uh, and then he said, and if I've done any, uh, got any ill gain from, from somebody, I'll restore unto them fourfold. Changed lives. Um, when we have lack of vision sometimes and don't see people that are souls that need to be saved, even though they are terrible sinners, they are, we all are, but we avoid them we have a lack of vision and we miss the opportunity to see how that Jesus changes hearts and changes lives by saving when they say, when he saves them. I don't know if I've told you about uh, a man named Thomas, um, in Portugal, in our video, we mentioned that we do, we've done all kinds of things for try and win people to Christ. We still do the same things, similar things that you do here. We distribute tracts and, uh, uh, we had distributed tracts, and one day a, a lady came to our door, and she had this elderly man with her, and uh, uh, she rang our doorbell, and uh, so Carol and I went out to the gate and, and began to talk to her, and, and she said, I, I live here in town, and about six months ago, I received a track in my uh, mailbox, and uh, I'm a Catholic, and I don't need this track, but for some reason, I just threw it in my drawer, and so... Uh, but then this man uh, uh, that's with me, his name's Thomas, moved in across the street, and he's been here and living in, Port, uh, living in uh, Kajish, our, our town. Uh, he's an Englishman. He's from England. He doesn't speak any Portuguese. He has no friends. He's very lonely. And I just felt sorry for him. So I decided to bring him to you because I knew you spoke, spoke English. And I thought, if you would speak English to him and maybe be his friend, uh, then, then he could have some friends, you know, and have a little bit of uh, a fellowship or, or a friendship. And I said, well, sure, we'd be glad to, to, to talk with Thomas and, and be his friend. And I said, and Thomas, you know what? Uh, uh, we have English services before we have our Portuguese services. And so you could come to our English service and uh, we have, you know, 10 or 12 people that come uh, this, that only speak English. And, and so you could uh, visit with them. And he said, hold on, preacher. Uh, now, Thomas, I don't know if I ever, how I should say this. He was English, first of all, but he was one of the grumpiest, rudest Englishmen I've met. Uh, uh, and uh, but he said, hold on, preacher. I want to tell you right now, I don't think there is a God. I don't believe there. I'm an atheist. I said, well, Thomas, that's too bad, but you could still come and, and just, you know, make some friends if you want to come to our services. He thought a minute and he said, okay, I think I can do that. I'll do that. And so he began to come, but just kind of tell you how Thomas was. Now he was 84 years old. And uh, so I'd be teaching or, or preaching in, in, and I would read a portion of scripture out of the, uh, the Bible. And, uh, and then, then I'd make a statement about that. And, and Thomas would say, hold on preacher. I don't know, right in the middle of my sermon. 
right in the middle of Sunday school, whatever. Hold on, preacher. I don't know if I can believe that. I don't think that's true. And I said, well, Thomas, uh, I read it right out of the word of God and the word of God is truth. And, and so uh, it doesn't really matter if you believe it or not, it's still going to be true. And then I'd go on preaching and that, he'd do that quite a few times. Uh, and we, you, as a missionary, I don't know if you'd put up with that here in, in your church or not, but as a missionary, you just kind of be flexible, you know, and, uh, and we just went on. But Thomas, uh, after about a year coming to services, he finally come to me and said, Brother Lionel, the Bible is true. And I need to be saved. And he bowed his head and he accepted Christ as a savior. And I tell you what, he changed. Now I gotta be honest, he was still rude and crude, okay? But in a different way. He would take a stack of our tracks that we have to, to, get, to hand out and he, he would go in, our, in the restaurants in our town at noon. And he'd go, now remember, he doesn't speak a word of Portuguese. And uh, he'd take one of these Portuguese tracks and he'd take it into the, to the, uh, the restaurants, go up to a table where somebody was eating. He'd throw that track down in front of him. And he says, you need to read this. If you don't read this and get saved, you're going to die and go to hell. And then he'd go to the next one. He did that in every re restaurant in our town. Uh, more than one occasion changed, different. You know what? One of these days you're going to see Thomas in heaven. He's already there. He, he passed away. Lack of vision. We miss the opportunity to see people's lives changed. We've got to be careful. Use our, our spiritual glasses and see things as Christ sees. them. In uh, Mark chapter 10, uh, Mark chapter 10. Preacher put me up here. Oh, we do have a clock up there. Okay. Uh, he, I thought you put me up here without a clock. That's a dangerous thing. My wife will tell you. But, uh, but I do have a clock, so I'm more. We'll just do a couple of more points here. Um, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. The Bible says, and, there, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples uh, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And, he heard, when, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. So here we have a man that was blind, uh, that wanted to get uh, Jesus' attention, and then verse, notice verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, oh, verse 48, and many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Notice what Jesus did. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they uh, called the blind man saying unto him, be of good cheer, rise, he calleth thee. And, and he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So here was a man that was blinded, that needed 
the Messiah, needed the Savior. And what did the people around say? What was their vision? Just be quiet. You're doing okay. You don't need the Lord. But Jesus had a different vision. Jesus' vision was that he was a blind man and he needed to be cured of his blindness. Now, in the book of 2 Corinthians, the Bible says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The Bible tells us that the, the God of this world, Satan, is blinding people. They're spiritually blinded to the fact that they're lost and they need Christ. Uh, and one of the, the greatest or biggest things that Satan uses is that of religion. He has deceived and blinded so many people. People that believe that there is a God. People that, that uh, uh, are dedicated uh, maybe even to that religion. But they're lost because my Bible says there's only one way to be saved. Uh, I'm in a country uh, that were 92% Roman Catholic and uh, the Catholic church has many people in it that believe that there is, that God exists. Uh, they they uh, have a, a, a belief in God, but they don't know the, the savior. They think that salvation, according to the teachings of the Catholic church is by works that if they do the rites and the rituals that the, the Catholic church tells them to do, then they'll be okay. And they might make it to heaven. They've got to keep those seven, do those seven sacraments and, and then they can make it maybe to heaven. But that's not what the Bible teaches. No, right. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved Amen. through faith. It is, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right. It's not by works. It's through faith. How, how did, uh, what did Jesus say about uh, Bartimaeus? Go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. Amen. And that's what takes away blindness. When, they, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here tonight and you believe in God. Maybe you've been a part of a religion or a part of a church, but you've never come to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Maybe tonight you need to come and, and receive Christ as your Savior so that the spiritual blindness can be taken away. So that you can understand that the salvation was paid by Jesus. Uh, it's nothing that we can do. He, he paid it all on the cross. If we could work our way to heaven by being good, by be keeping commandments, by being a member of a church, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? We have to put our faith and trust in him. Christian friend of mine, we're talking about vision. The crowd around said, they're okay. You just be okay. You just stay over there. We know you're blind, but it's... But how many times do we think our neighbors or our friends or our coworkers, oh, they go to a church somewhere. Now, now they go to a church that doesn't teach the, the salvation that the Bible teaches. And because of lack of vision, because of the lack of vision, it's a missed opportunity to see the spiritually blinded come to the truth and be saved by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have to have a vision that those religious people need Christ.
In Portugal, there's lots of religious people, but they're lost. Where there is no vision, the people perish. We need to put our glasses on, our spiritual glasses. In Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, in verse 35, the Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And uh, we see uh, in Matthew chapter 9, Let me go back over there to Matthew chapter 9, verse uh, 37. Verse 38 says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted not and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he saith to the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers into the harvest. We see that Jesus instructed once again the disciples to pray the Lord of the harvest. Why? Because there was a lack of workers. There was lack of laborers. There were a lack of soul winners. There were a lack of missionaries. There were a lack of pastors. And uh, young people, I want to challenge you tonight to have a vision of what you're going to do with your life. What really matters in life? Where there is no vision, the people perished. Maybe you could ask the Lord, Lord, would you allow me to be a missionary? Would you allow me to be a pastor? Lord, how can I serve in my church so that I can win people to Christ? There's a missed opportunity to serve the Lord when we have a lack of vision. We get involved in all of our lives. Everything goes on in our life. And many times we forget. And the awareness of the loss that are around us has diminished. And we don't even witness to our friends. We don't witness to our coworkers. We don't witness to our family. Where there is no vision, the people perish. We need laborers. Would you be willing to come tonight and say, Lord, give me a vision. Lord, take my life and use me. Maybe, maybe Lord, you won't even call you to be a pastor or a missionary. But we still need to surrender. We need to be laborers in, the, in, in his harvest. In John chapter 6, um, There's one more story I'll I'll share with you tonight. John chapter 6 and verse 5. Verse 3 says, And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith to Philip, When shall we buy uh, bread? For these may eat. And he said, uh, said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. 
Then Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them make a little or may take a little. And then one uh, of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they uh, among so many? And we know the story that continues here, don't we? It's the feeding of the 5,000. The miracle of Jesus taking uh, five loaves, uh, five little pieces of bread and two, bar, uh, two small fishes and feeding more than 5,000 men plus women and children. A great miracle. Jesus knew that's what he was going to do. But, and that was his vision that he was going to feed the multitude. Right? But what was the vision of Andrew? Lord or, or Philip? Uh, he says, verse 5 says, uh, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Is what Jesus said. And, Jesus, and, and Philip responded and said, 200 penny worth of, of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone will take it, may take a little bit. How are we going to reach the multitudes? Uh, the, the, the world is lost. There's 7 billion people in the world. Uh, how can we as a church or are we as individuals reach those 7 billion people? Well, Jesus has a plan. And you know what that plan was? Miraculously do it. But what was the vision of Andrew or, or Philip? Uh, Philip said, Lord, all I got is 200 penny worth. I got 200 pennies in my pocket. How can we buy and, and meet the need of the multitude in that way? But you know what? I love it that God takes what we have. There's a boy there that had five barley loaves and two small fishes. And Andrew said that, said that there's a lad here. And that lad gave what he had to the Lord. And God took that. Jesus took that. He blessed it. He broke it. And then he gave it to the disciples to distribute to the groups of 50. They had sat down in groups of 50. And as they distributed it, it just kept, it kept multiplying. And, and you know what? At the end of it, the, the 5,000 men ate and they were full and the women and the children ate. So another five or 10,000 more people uh, and the multitude was fed. And then there was some left over, 12 basketfuls uh, of bread and fish left over. God works miracles, right? See, Andrew didn't have the vision that Jesus had when it comes to reaching the multitudes. I'm here as a missionary, the Great Commission Jesus gave the Great Commission to the church, to Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. He says, you're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's your responsibility to do that. And you say, well, how can I do that? Well, you can be involved by giving your 200 penny worth. As we give of our faith promise missions and our tithes to the Lord, the, the ministry here in South, uh, Southwest uh, Baptist is, is taken care of and then you meet the needs of the missionaries. Uh, the ones that God has called out and said, separate me uh, to go to the, this country or to go to Portugal. You know, we couldn't be in Portugal without churches supporting us. And churches can't support us if the members don't have the vision to give and to pray for their missionaries. Would you give of yourselves to the Lord? That's the vision that we have to have. 
Maybe you're here tonight and you're not saved. You need to have a spiritual vision of your lost condition and see that, that God can come and work a miracle in your life. Change your heart. Change your life. Make you a new creature. Save your soul. Forgive your sins. And make you a child of God. And give you eternal life. One day be with him in heaven for eternity. We want to give you that opportunity tonight. If you'll come as we give the invitation, have the vision and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Christian friend of mine, you've, you're the cream of the crop here on Wednesday night. But we've got to be careful about our vision. Amen. Maybe you need to come to the altar tonight and say, Lord, help me have a sharper vision. Help my spiritual vision. Maybe you're here tonight and you're looking for a church home and you're just visiting. Uh, maybe you need to come and, and talk with the pastor or some of the workers here at the front and, and, and present yourself for membership as they receive members here at Southwest Baptist. Or maybe you need to make a public profession of your faith. You've been saved, but you've never been baptized. Maybe you need to come and do that. Or maybe you're here tonight and the Lord's been dealing with your heart about your vision for the lost. You haven't been the soul winner that you should be. Come and ask him to sharpen your vision. Or maybe you're here tonight and God's been dealing with you about full-time service. Maybe it's time for you to come and give your life to Christ in his service, preaching the word of God, whether it's here in the States or in Portugal, where the need is so great too. Father, we come to you and we thank you. And we just pray, Lord, that you would touch our hearts tonight. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would work in each life. God, if there's one here that needs to come uh, tonight to be saved, I pray that they'd uh, come and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, if there's others that need to come to the altar and, and make decisions for you, Lord, help them to come in that very first verse of invitation. Let's all stand, if you would.